For me, it began in 1992 with an ending. I was five years old and happened upon a comic shop advertising the death of Superman in its window display. From that moment forward, the Man of Steel has been my favorite character. And now on this podcast, I'm exploring my fandom and examining the creative visions that have shaped the last son of Krypton across media for over 80 years. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to count down our top 10 favorite Smallville moments is returning guest, comic book artist, V. Ken Marion. Number one returning guest. Yeah. <laughs> you are, man. And I got to tell you, I, and I, I'm not, not to pat myself on the back. I don't need a parade or anything like that. But I just want it noted the restraint that I exercised in not doing a full-on Smallville episode with you like this until now. I mean, we're like over a dozen episodes into this podcast and I really, and look, it's my show. I could have done it whenever, but I felt like, I felt like people would be expecting it. And I just also thought like there were a couple of anniversaries coming up and which I will talk about in a second that would make sense to kind of hold it. And I wanted to explore some other stuff on the podcast. I waited. I did do that episode with the editor in chief of Krypton site, the Smallville news site. Mm -hmm. So we did, there was some Smallville talk, but as far as just like geeking out uh, about our love of the show, I held back. Uh, but we're here now, and I couldn't be more excited to have you along for this. That that was a great episode you did, by the way. Yeah, um, with the Krypton site. Very, very interesting. Um, yeah, dude, I'm so pumped. Uh, thanks for having me back. Like, I'm joking before, but, like, thank you so much for having me back for all these episodes. Like, uh, this, should, this should be a good time, especially because, like, I think I approached this one in a much different way than you did. So I think we're going to have a really good conversation. I think for, uh, so. I think so too. I know because you texted me earlier and, and you were like, "I think we're gonna have very different lists." And I was like, "Yeah, I kind of have that gut feeling as well." And and we'll we'll find out momentarily. On a personal note, though, I got to tell you this, and I didn't say this off mic. I say it now. The one thing that I kept coming back to when I was thinking about this list and thinking about the conversation we were, were gonna have, I was like, "Man, I wish I knew Ken when Smallville was on." You know, yeah. It's like, oh, dude, totally. You know, I, I had people I talked to about the show, and that was great. And I'm not not to discount them or anything, but I, you know, in terms of people who really share the same level of enthusiasm and passion for the show, it, it's a real, real small grain. You know, and when we met, like that was one of the first things we talked about, and so that was one thing that I kept coming back to. And I'm excited to do this, but I was like, man, I wish, <laughs> I wish I knew this guy when the show was on. We would have had such great conversations week to week about what came out and what was going to happen next week. Oh, dude. Yeah, no. The only person I had to talk to about it with was my dad. Literally. When, when I was in high school, a couple of my friends, we watched it together. Like we watched it in, at the same time. We talked about it um, the next day at school. But that was only through the first four seasons. So once like season four on when I was in college, like nobody what I remember getting made fun of freshman year for watching Smallville from people being like, oh, it's a CW or yeah, it's a WV show. Oh, it's like a like a rom-com. I'm like, it's not. It's Superman. Come on. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I had no one to talk to about it with, with my dad. So it would have been great to to shoot the shit about it for sure. I probably would have better memories of the later half of the season yeah. had it, like I had someone else to, to talk to about it with, you know. No, I hear you. Uh, well, better late than never. And I think this will be a really fun time. So the reason we're doing this now, I mentioned, you know, some some anniversaries coming up. The series finale of Smallville aired on May 13th, 2011. Uh, this episode that we're doing now drops on May 12th, uh, 2021. So just about the 10 year anniversary of the series finale, which, you know, if you want to feel old, I mean, I can't believe it's been a decade since the show ended. 
Dude, okay, I remember that I didn't even I didn't know that this was the the like I didn't even think about that until just this moment when you said that. And I remember when the show ended thinking like, holy shit, I've been watching this for 10 years. Like I remember that being like almost like a like a moment of demarcation in my life, being like, whoa, like a decade of my life has gone by. Like and like it's over. You know what I mean? And like I mean, like I said, every week I watched it with when I was home, I'd watch it with both my parents. And when I was at college, I talked to my mom and my dad about it. So like I remember when it ended the next day when I was talking to them about it, we were all just kind of like like melancholic, you know, like, oh my God, like 10 years of our lives like had went like we were like reminiscing. And now, because I haven't been thinking about it and you saying that, I'm like, holy crap, I'm getting old. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, this fall this october will be the 20 year anniversary of the pilot so keep your calendar open because i'm probably going to be coming back to you to do something i haven't decided what yet we'll, we'll talk off mic but we'll do something to uh if your game you know to celebrate oh, yeah. the 20 year anniversary of the show starting but you know smallville has come up and even if it's just in a in momentary passing in pretty much every episode of the show that i've done so far because it's as i've gone on record as saying it's my favorite incarnation of the character uh, my all-time favorite television show. I watched it religiously for the 10 years. Uh, and it just it just meant a lot to me and it tapped into so much of what I love about the character. It presented the character at his most relatable, uh, which is something that you know I know you and I have, have spoken about a lot. Uh, I did want to ask you on this anniversary of the finale, do you remember what you did that day? Uh, or, or anything you know about your viewing that you know maybe was, I don't know, did you get something special to eat did you watch it well i guess you did answer you watched it just by yourself right i'm trying to think um i think i watched it on tv because it was on fridays right yes by the end at that point yeah yeah i definitely watched it on tv because i remember going to work the next day that's when i was like walking to work talking to my parents about it because i worked on weekends back then uh, like I had a day job on weekends when I try to break in. And like, I remember walking to work, talking to my parents about it before I went to work. So yeah, I, I must've just watched it. Yeah. In my apartment, like, and then like afterwards, just, like knocked on my roommate's stores and been like, Hey man, it was really good. You know? <laughs> Cause like bo both my roommates at the time, like were, I actually had three roommates at the time and they all were like comic book, like fans ish, you know, like, like, like read comics and stuff, but they, none of them watched Smallville. So they're like, Oh, was it worth it? I'm like, Nah, the end was cool. Last scene was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. I, I had some mixed feelings about the finale, but I definitely, I mean, I remember that day. It, the timing was perfect because I was um, two thirds of the way through law school. So the season 10 was my second year of law school. And I think, no, I do remember finals ended, I think the week before. So it was perfect. Like I was just done with my second year of law school, finals all done. And, uh, and so, you know, I kind of had a clear, and that summer I was working as a research assistant, which was not too demanding and it didn't, it didn't start until a little later in the summer. So I pretty much had a, an open schedule and it, it was great. And I just, I just remember like just an insane level of anticipation about, uh, about that. I remember I got in a good workout that was important to me that day. And <laughs> you want to feel like Superman wanna, while you're watching it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like when a uh, when one of the Rocky or Creed when I'm going to watch one of the Rocky or Creed movies, like I can't go. I, I you know I, I got to get a workout in first. I can't go. I can't go into <laughs> one of those having been lazy. Uh, and then I did treat myself. Uh, so I grew up in Hartsdale, and that's where I was still living at the time. And there's a diner uh, right down the road from where I used to live, the Fountain Diner. 
which I've been going to my whole life. Even now, since I don't live right there, I don't go regularly, but when, when I can, I do. And I remember I treated myself to a, a cheeseburger deluxe of a vanilla milkshake and a grilled cheese sandwich. Nice. Yeah, nice. I, I went. So that's why I had to work out. You know, I had to I had to, yeah. <laughs> to balance out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I treated myself to that, and it, I watched it by myself in my room. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was really an experience. I remember people texting me after friends of mine, even if they weren't so into the show, they knew I was. And I always thought that was very nice. Like there were a few people who actually checked in with me after, and they were like, "How was it?" And I was like, "It was, you know." Well, again, I had some mixed feelings, but overall, <laughs> I, I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, here we are to count down our, our top 10 moments. Now we'll do the quick disclaimers first. So the, we didn't try, or at least I didn't try to come up with the objectively best moments of the show. These are my favorite moments of the show. I think there are, in a lot of instances, I would also consider them the best moments, but not necessarily. There are some that I might like because they're funny or they just happen to strike a chord with me. So I, I did approach okay. it from more of that like personal perspective. Did you go more like objectively best? Okay. Oh, okay. So I think I went even more myopic than you. So like, so I, I, I've been super busy the last couple of months. So I had no way I could even attempt to like rewatch any of this stuff. Right. Like, so like, even if it was a one season of a show, maybe I could have, but 10 years, like it was even like, even then I was like, I'm not even going to attempt it. Right. So I approach this more on when I look back at the show, what are the key moments that when like my gut, like when I, even when I made my list earlier this week, it was like, okay, I need 10 moments. It was like my gut, like the first 10 for the most part that like instantly popped into my head and like stayed with me. And like the moments that like really held weight for me, and mo this is why I think our lists are going to be different because most of mine are like literally moments. Like they're like visual moments that I'll explain to it as we go on. But um, th this show, when you're talking earlier, this show, this show is the reason why Superman's my favorite character. Like, I, I think this is the, because up until this point I had, like, I liked the Christopher Reeve movies as a kid, but up until this point, like I had never seen Superman as being like ultra relatable, you know, because like Christopher Reeve in those movies, he's like in his like twenties. And when you're a kid, you don't think like, you don't really relate to like people in that. So like I was like a teenager when this was coming out and like, he's supposed to be a teenager, even though he's like 30 or whatever, but like it, it just, it held that weight to me where like he felt cool. He felt relatable and all that. And there's also like an icon, an iconography with Superman that a lot of other characters don't have. And I'll explain that as we go on, but that's how so many of my moments kind of relate to not only like the story of Superman, but kind of the iconography of superheroes and how Superman is almost like a cipher for superheroes in general, if that makes sense. Like in a lot of ways, like to, like to people, like a red cape signifies superheroes and like, you know what I mean? Like, so that's, um, that's kind of where I went with it. And, and I'll be interested to go down the list with you um, as we go, but yeah, that's definitely a, uh, should be fun. I love it. I can't wait to hear the list. I mean, I think, Again, I do think we'll ultimately have different lists, but I, I mean, I did approach it in a similar way in that I didn't, I didn't tackle this from an academic point of view. I mean, I didn't sit down and, you know, look at a list of every episode and again, try to put together what I think are the, you know, the, the 10 best moments, you know, that truly represent the entire show. I really did approach it more from a personal place because, mm -hmm. you know, over the years, uh, you know, I've gone back to watch scenes on YouTube. 
you know, like every now and then I'll search for a scene on YouTube. And that was actually kind of my guiding light when I sat down to make the list. I'm like, well, what are, I said, like, don't even try to make this a research project. <laughs> I was like, what are the yeah. moments, like, what are the scenes that you always go back to, that you always think of, and that if you're going to pull something up on YouTube to watch something small, but like, what do you go to? And that was what I started with. Um, the other parameters that I kind of gave myself, and this was a little, this did make it harder, but I wanted for my list to have every season represented so we're doing, <laughs> so we're doing 10 moments, okay. we're doing 10 moments and there are 10 seasons. So, you know, it's a moment per season. So there, I had to make, there were some hard, hard choices to make. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mine is <laughs> front loaded big time to the first half of the show. Okay. Maybe even the first season, maybe even the first episode. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, a really like, okay, this will definitely be done. I mean, let's say like, let's do the same rules as last time we did our top 10 characters that if we have one that doubles up, we'll save it for when it's higher. So okay. if I have one at 10 and it's for you, it's four, we'll save it for four okay. just to give it more of a spotlight. Um, if we have any of the crossover. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> we'll good. See. And then my last disclaimer okay. is that, I, I mean, I did sit down and rank them. I, I wouldn't, like, I don't know that I need this, the ranking, the actual ranking, like etched on my tombstone. You know what I mean? Like they're not the most, yeah. you know, th there might be some fluctuation there. We come yeah. back to this in a few months. I might feel a little differently. So uh, you know, the yeah. ranking is not set in stone here, but, uh, but for the most part, no, not for, I generally, I do stand by this list and I think we should just get into it. Yeah. So as the guest, sir, please Let's go first. It. What's your, t your number 10 moment? Got, okay. I'll go first. We'll, we'll, this will be a good barometer for, um, for like, I think the differences in here is how it's going to be. Okay. My number 10 is this moment always stuck with me because I thought it was kind of humorous, but also talked the iconography of the character. I believe it's in season one. It might be season two, but Lex and Clark are at like, um, I don't know, some kind of like gala or like art event. And there's like a Roman suit of armor that Clark's looking at. And it's got like a red S with like jewels on it. And like in the camera's kind of like hanging on it for a little bit. And like, and it pans out and you see Clark looking at it. And like, it looks like, like, like a Roman suit of armor with a red S on it. And, and he's looking at it and Lex comes up and starts talking to him about it, saying it's like Alexander the Great or someone's like suit of armor. And Clark goes, I just can't ever see myself wearing something like that in a battle. And like, it's like that moment of like, it's so clearly not the Superman suit, but like you instantly know what it is. You know what I mean? The iconography of it. And like the fact that like the first half of the show did so many great visual nods like that to allude to what would become of like how he would become Superman. And the irony of him being like, ah, oh, this is like kind of hokey. Who would ever wear something like this in the battle? You know, like I just always thought that was like a really fun moment in the show. No, I remember that. And uh, yeah, that stuff like that was really cool. I mean, it was, you know, I think the show made great use of the fact that the audience knew where he was going, even though he didn't mm -hmm. yet. So you could do nods like that. And to your point, I, which I think is a great one that, you know, the imagery associated with Superman is so iconic. I mean, it he, he is a global icon. It's like, even if someone mm -hmm. has never read a comic, it's like, if you show them the image of the symbol, it's like, oh, they, there's that instant recognition. So it's like, you can really accomplish a lot with even just, you know, the, the scene mm -hmm. you just described. Uh, and yeah, they did a lot of stuff like that. And yeah, a lot of, I remember <laughs> most of my list is stuff like that. So gotcha. no, no, that's, <laughs> I mean, I think the different, maybe the difference with my list is I went, I guess a little bit more scene scene based i guess mm -hmm. um okay. then like yeah, just yeah. just a visual you know a visual cue necessarily but uh mm -hmm. but, but yeah i am still very curious to see if we'll have overlap oh and i said this to you and we'll we'll 
I'll, I'll share it if and when it comes up or if, you know, if not, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. There were, there were a couple of things that I purposely left off my list because I'm like, well, I'm almost positive Ken will have that. And so it'll be represented. So there were, there were a couple okay. of things that if someone's like, I can't believe Anthony didn't have that. It's like, well, I figured, it's like, I figured he'll have it. Okay. 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 We might, we might have it. Okay. Might. What's, what's your number 10? All right. My number 10. So <clears throat> this, you know, it might be a little uh, like an under the radar moment, but to me, I think it was really pivotal in the later seasons. So, uh, Season eight, episode one, Odyssey, uh, we pick up, you know, after the end of season seven and, and Clark's been rendered powerless in the fortress and he's wandering, he's kidnapped by Russians, he's in this prison camp, Oliver comes to rescue him and we go from there. Towards the end of the episode, Oliver is um, under some mind control, I forget what the what the setup to that was, uh, but he shoots Clark uh, with, with an arrow and Clark is dying and he has this vision of Jonathan and Martha and Lana uh, and then Martian Manhunter intervenes, flies him to the sun, uh, which restores his powers. And then that leads to the moment that I want to talk about where Clark wakes up in the barn and, and John Jones is there and Clark articulates in that scene what had been a frustration of mine with the character and with the show at that point, because post Jonathan's death halfway through season five, like the rest of five and six and seven, there was a lot of really great stuff in there, but it felt like they were kind of treading water. There wasn't really a lot of forward momentum. You know, Clark wasn't in school anymore. He wasn't, you know, pursuing a superhero career. He was kind of like hanging out on the farm, still pining for Lana. And it just kind of felt like the character was stuck. And the moment that just, that I, that I just love is, you know, Clark says to, to John, he's like, you know, I've written eulogies and I've watched people walk away from me, but I've never really said goodbye. I've been hanging on to a life on this farm that hasn't existed for years. And John says, well, so what are you going to do? He goes, I got to let it go. It's the only chance I have of, of finding a new one. And the episode ends with him taking a job at the Daily Planet across from Lois. And they have a great, like really fun, you know, scene where they're bantering with each other. But it was just that moment. It just stood out to me because it, it really signaled that we're taking a big step forward. Um, and season eight was a big transition point for the series with, you know, major cast departures. Lex was gone. Lana was gone for most of it. Lionel was gone. I mean, there was, it was a big change. And um, I just liked that they were moving the character forward and that, that Clark articulated it in that way. So that was, that was my number 10. Nice. Nice. As I expected, yours are more like substance based and might agree more like visual based. I think sure. that'd be a perfect, I think that's a perfect compliment <laughs> yeah. then. I think this, that works. Sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Um, that is a good, I, I, those seasons are very fuzzy in my mind. So, um, I don't have a ton to add to it because I, I never actually rewatched any of those seasons. Like, um, seasons eight, nine or 10, I never actually rewatched them after seeing them on tv but I, but i but now that you mention it like I, I i can i remember like everything that you said that's when he started wearing the gray shirt right the gray shirt with the white sleeves yes it was like around that time yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that before yeah because that's when anthony started wearing the, <laughs> the yeah. gray shirt with the white sleeves yeah <laughs> so funny okay number nine yep okay okay so this this is actually in the later season this might have been season either nine or 10, you'll, you'll know more than me, but it's when Clark reveals his identity to Lois and she like, so it was, I, it was in the daily planet and he like reveals her identity and she kicks a stack of books toward him. And she walks over and she steps on top of the books and kisses him. Like great scene, great visual, like representation of that like moment, you know? And I think she already knew, right? Like yeah. she already knew he was Superman. So she was like waiting for him to tell her. And it was like, as soon as she, as soon as he starts like, like taking the glasses off, she's like, 
she's like instantly like, yeah, what took you so long? And like, and like the whole like, kicking of the books and like walking on top of them and stuff like very cool. Very cool. They did that. Yeah, that was that was season 10. And uh, I love that moment, too. I'm glad and that. Sorry to say that's not on my list, but I'm glad that I'm glad <laughs> that you have that here. Uh, yeah, that was such a great, I remember that, that very well. Yeah. Where she kicks a stack of papers over and then she stands up on it, right. To raise herself yeah. higher so she can kiss him. And she like tackles yeah. him too. Right. And then they're, like, yeah, they yeah, fall yeah. Back. yeah, it was, uh, yeah. yeah, that was great. Well, great pick. Um, but did you have anything else with that one? Um, I know just that cause like, I'm sure you had the same frustration, like as like me, like you know, everything's taken forever. And like that kind of felt like a moment, like finally, you know what I mean? Like, it, it kind of felt like one of those moments. So yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was so satisfying. And you know, the fact that there were so many instances throughout the show where, you know, the show, the series did a good job of showing you why Lois was the one for him, but Lana wasn't, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. Lois knew his secret, but she didn't give him a hard time about it. She just was there for him in whatever way she could be. And mm-hmm. you know, when he was ready, uh, you know, she, yeah. you know, they had that moment and it was great. Yeah. I, I, I love that scene a lot. And uh, she's the best Lois so far. She is the best Lois hands down. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So my number nine is a moment from season nine, actually the very end of season nine, uh, the episode salvation. And it's the, uh, rain soaked rooftop battle brawl between Clark and Zod at the end of season mm. nine, which as far as action scenes go and fights, uh, I really felt that they executed that well. And I, I give them bonus points. I'm grading them on a little bit of a curve because in the later seasons, they did not have the budget that they had in the earlier years. Or, you know, maybe they did, but it was all going to the cat, you know, like Tom Welling at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, because if you watch those later seasons, there's far less licensed music. There's far yeah. less oh, yeah. exterior outdoor shooting. It's all on sound stages for the most part, with some exceptions. Um, but I thought they executed it really well. And I thought... You know, in seasons eight, nine, and 10, you know, they didn't have Lex, they didn't have Lionel. So we got new antagonists. We got, you know, Tess and Doomsday and, uh, and Zod and then Darkseid. And, and honestly, you know, Doomsday and Darkseid were kind of, their versions were kind of wonky. There, you know, there was, there are aspects that worked, but overall, I, I think as a, as fans, it left a bit to be desired, but I dug their take on Zod. I thought it worked well. And I just, I love that, that final fight. I thought it was, it was really cool, really well done. Um, it showed that Clark w- was tough. It also showed his heroism and his willingness to sacrifice because that ends, uh, you know, Zod and the other Kandorian clones are quote unquote ascending to another plane, which is really just the phantom zone as it turned mm-hmm. out. But, uh, you know, Zod sought to save himself by using blue kryptonite to render himself human so that he would not ascend with the other Kryptonians. And so that leads to this, powerless fight between Clark and Zod because, you know, they're, they're both near the, the blue kryptonite. And then uh, they get to the edge of the building and Zod is like, you know, everyone on this planet, including the woman you love, will kneel before Zod. And Clark's like, you already destroyed one world. I won't let you take this one. And he takes the dagger, the blue kryptonite dagger, and plunges it into himself um, to get it far enough away <laughs> from Zod uh, that Zod will ascend with the other uh, Kandorian clones. And then Clark falls off the building in, in Christ pose and that's how the season ends. But that I just thought was such a badass fight scene and moment. Uh, so that's my number nine. Nice, nice. Yeah, I love the uh, the actor who played Zod on Smallville. He was good. Like like you said, those other villains like Doomsday and Darkseid, even Tess. I was like, eh, like, but but the guy who played um, Zod was badass. And looking back, I remember when we talked about Smallville before. I said the uh, the black trench coat look for Superman was kind of like dumb. 
now after having like seen the Snyder cut and being like all hopped up on the black suit with the silver S, I think it's kind of cool. I still don't like the trench coat part of it, but like if you had like a black leather jacket maybe with like the the silver S on the black t-shirt, would have been awesome. Yeah. I, I I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I didn't mind the black and I like yeah. the um like the spray painted S on the black t-shirt. Yeah. yeah, the trench coat was what I was a little bit that's maybe that's why I like that scene because he takes the trench coat off. <laughs> Like yeah, yeah, it's just a t-shirt, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. looks cool, too. It looks cool it's just a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a cool scene. So that's my number nine. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Okay, what's next? Number eight. Okay, this one's from season, I believe this is season four, the beginning of season four when he's, when Clark is, he's like, you're gonna have to get the details for me. He's like, got like Kryptonian ai in him or something when he flies for the first time yes and he goes after the uh he goes after the um the crystals the crystal whatever the crystal is there's a crystal on lex's plane lex is flying a plane yeah and clark i can't remember how he got to this point but he's like got like like his personality is gone he's just like a kryptonian and he like he takes off and flies for the first time and he's wearing the black he's all black too. he's got all the, the black shirts he's, he's rocking the all black look but he like flies and it looks badass like like when he takes off and when he's in the air and like he looks like just like superman and they it looks so good that they even use it for the opening theme moving forward after that when he's like it looks like that level you drawing where he's like flying and like like it's like right underneath his like like chin and like you like see like the air rocketing around him and stuff such a great moment and like when he flies into the plane and like and he pulls the the crystal out such a good moment that is such a good pick uh, and you know, it didn't immediately come to mind, but that is, that is an iconic moment of the show. And mm-hmm. yeah, the, so the, the quick backdrop to that was the end of season three, uh, we, we leave Clark, you know, this was the point before there was the fortress, but there were the cave walls. Remember the, mm-hmm. the right. And that yeah. was how he was able to communicate with Jorel. And it ends with him like in the cave walls and Jorel says, you know, you will be reborn. And so at the start of season four, Clark's been reprogrammed by Jor-El and he is now just yeah. a cold calculating Kryptonian. He's only Kal-El at this point. And he sets about to, uh, you know, to reclaim these three stones or crystals. Um, and he won't ultimately succeed until the end of season four with the formation of the fortress. But, um, but yeah, in that season premiere, yeah, he has that flight and he goes to Lex's plane. But yeah, that takeoff, I remember, right, because he's on the farm with Martha. Yeah. Right. Yep. And he takes off and, and it, like knocks like, her not, back. Yeah. Like, the, the shockwave like knocks her back. Yeah. Yeah. And like by today's standards, the effects are like kind of like whatever. But like at the time we've been watching for three years at the point with him never fly. The only other hint of him flying was in the episode two when he was like hovering over his bed and he wakes up. He's like asleep and he's like floating and he like drops. And that was like it. And then every episode after that, my dad was always like, is he going to fly this time? Is he going <laughs> to fly this time? And then when he did, it was like, so like, yes, finally. And then, like, I thought he was going to fly forever after that. But then it was like, nope, back down to, like, being on the ground. Yep. I, you know, they, they forever maintain, you know, no flights, no tights. But to your dad's point, it's like, you know, looking back on it, I I don't know. It was maybe not the best call to have him floating in episode two. Yeah. I feel like then it does set that expectation. Like, oh, he's going to fly. And it's like, no, he really won't. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. But I think maybe they did that so that it was clear that he eventually will. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't like this thing where like, well, this version of Superman doesn't fly. Like people would have just like, maybe like thought that, but I don't know. Like sometimes I wonder, like, I feel like he should have started flying it out in season four. Like just like 
for good. You know, like would it have been that much more expensive? Like, you know, would it would it really have been? I mean, it depends. I guess if they showed, if they did full on flying sequences like that all the time, I guess. But mm-hmm. I mean, what they probably would have done, they would have, you know, it's like with the super speed. After a while, you just saw him like zip off. You didn't follow him yeah. as he went. I feel like they would probably do something similar with the flying, like where you just see him take, yeah. like the George Reeves show, where he. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I always felt that, um, I know you said season four, which would have been fine by me. I always felt that by season 10, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they could have given us that. You know, it's one thing to hold back the costume to the very end. That's fine. But, you know, this whole rule of no flights, no tights, that's all well and good. But, you know, when they said that at the beginning of the show, I don't think anyone foresaw that this would run a decade I, I think opti- I, I still think that when they first made the show, they were thinking like best case scenario, we get four years, he graduates college, he becomes Superman, graduates high school, becomes Superman. Like, I feel like that was like their intent and they're realistically being like, we're probably gonna get one year out of this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so yeah, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. They, they, I felt like they could have started bending those rules toward the end there, especially when they did all that blur stuff. Like it, it was just weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, I 100% think that their original intention was just to send him to the fortress and then take their, take a cue from Superman, the movie, and just like 15 years later and he flies off and that's it. I really think that was their original plan for the show. And then obviously that changed. All right. So my number eight, this is one of those ones that's a personal favorite. I don't think you'll find this on any list of the, you know, the best representations of the show, but good Lord, I love this scene. All right. Season six. Uh, the episode Crimson, where both Clark and Lois are infected with red kryptonite, and they've all their inhibitions are gone, and they're making out, and they're like tearing up the town. The moment that I love, God, I love this scene so much, is when uh, Clark and Lois crash uh, Lex and Lana's engagement party. This is now. I'll, Across the series, the red the red K episodes were among my favorites. I always felt like Tom Welling loved doing those episodes. He really, I mean, I really looked like it looked like he was having fun. True, but he also looked incredibly unnatural. <laughs> like, like, like it felt like it felt like you could tell like this is so not what Tom Welling is like in real life because it was almost like it, like it didn't feel real. Like I'm, I keep going I, when I. I think about this because when I rewatched it with Laura, like maybe a couple of years ago, two years ago at this point, the first time he does it when he's like in that like hick bar and he like beats everyone up, he's like, anybody else? It's like, <laughs> this is clearly not how this guy's like normal like, way of acting. And so, yeah, no, but it's good. I, I, I agree with you. I, I love it whenever he went bad because it was like, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And this was my favorite incarnation of that. So he crashes the engagement party and Martha's there. Of course, Lana and Lex are there and Chloe's there and he tells off every one of them. And it was, I mean, I won't recite the entire scene, although I I could, I won't, but I really could. But it was, but the, the, the coup de grace of the scene is when Lex tries to interrupt him and Clark just snaps and he goes, I am not done yet. Oh my God. It was like, it was, 
It was great. If anyone hasn't watched this scene, just search Smallville Crimson, you know, engagement part. It's such a good scene. Doesn't he like say something to either Lana or Chloe where he's like, oh, you wish you like we could have like been together or something like that. Like this is the one of them. I can't remember which one, but like he goes to something like a really prickish like that. Yeah. He goes to Chloe. He's like, I'm not surprised you're here. I bet you figure with Lana out of the picture, you'll finally have a chance. And then he twists the knife. He goes, can't say I haven't thought about it. And, you know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, <laughs> it was so, oh, it was great. And then, you know, he knows at this point, but it's not public that Lana's pregnant. Although it turns out she wasn't. Lex had just made her think she was. But uh, he spills the beans about her pregnancy and he throws Lex a little baby toy. And he's like, congrats on sealing the deal. And then Lex now tries to physically stop Clark. And Clark just like flings him across the room. It is my God, I love this scene so much. That is that is uh, my number eight. <clears throat> nice, nice. That yeah, that's that's definitely a funny one for sure. Like like I said, anytime Tom Welling does the red K Clark is, it's always a blast because it's like, I feel like I. I like to think that Tom Welling in real life is very much like Clark. Cause I kind of feel like he is, you know what I mean? Just based on the podcast and stuff we listen to like, like not, 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 not one for one, but like in the same kind of like general vicinity. So like when he's acting like crazy and bad, like I feel like there's something like very unnatural about it, which makes it even better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And I, when you bring up the, anybody else, I remember that scene. That was, yeah. I know. Oh, dude, totally. Yeah, I know. That almost made my list. I'm going to say that <laughs> almost made my list because of how like ridiculous it is. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that was my, that was my number eight. What, what you got for number seven? Nice. Okay. Number seven, this is probably on your list. It's probably higher, but it's the, uh, the last shot of the season finale when he like rips open the shirt. Is that on your list? Oh, of the entire series. Yeah. Not on yes. my list. It's, not on Not my your list. list. Okay, yeah. yeah, dude. The last moment when he's like going up to the when he hears danger, he goes up to the the top of the Daily Planet. He starts running forward, undoes the shirt, and pulls it open. And you see the S. You see him. It's what I wanted the whole the whole damn show. Is what I want to see was him with the, in the suit. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, what else working? I mean, they made a pop out of it for crying out loud. You know, it's like an iconic moment of the show. It so. is. It is. And yeah. it, like for you, did that make up for? not actually seeing him physically wear the costume that was all CGI in the prior uh, scenes. Did it make up for it? Or I, I like, mean, uh, I mean, like I just wanted to see him in the suit, like in any form of the suit. What, what, what I joked for years was that I wanted to see him. Like I always said, I wouldn't be happy unless he's like in the suit full on staying on top of the other planet, puts his arm out and the Eagle flies down and like lands on his arm. <laughs> like, that's like what I really wanted to see was like the whole, like the whole like nine yards, you know, like all the American flag behind him, like everything, you know, but um, but I knew that was unrealistic. So I mean, I felt like what we got was as good as we were going to, and like they honestly didn't even need to do that. They could have like done something even like more subtle than that. So I'm uh, I'm glad that we got that at least, you know. Yeah, I um overall I'm with you. I mean, I in the moment I was very frustrated by the CGI costume in the prior scene, but that moment of the shirt rip on top of the deli plan, like that, that was satisfying. I felt a catharsis in seeing that scene and, and you know, just mm-hmm. that, that iconic moment. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. That is a great moment. What, what about the moment when he was like, like in the plane, like you see his head through the window of the plane and you see like the CGI cape, like flittering a little bit. Like I kept being like, Oh my God, they're going to show it. They're going to show it. Like, and they never did. Yeah. So, and I know I've said this on other podcasts, but it was the weirdest feeling watching that finale Assuming, because it's like, 
you know, he gets the costume and he puts it on in the fortress and he flies out. And, you know, you don't get a good shot of him yet. But then there's a commercial break and you figure, okay, like when we get back, like this is it. And it's like scene after scene of these like, like close-ups of his head and then like these really, really like far away shots. And it's like- With these tiny little animated, yeah. And it took me like, and you know, it's like, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And I was like, there was this weird disconnect for me where I was like, it took a second to click. I'm like, oh, this is what they're doing. <laughs> like, they're not showing Dude, in the, him in this. I, okay, I'll be honest. Even the, the night watching it, I was kind of disappointed because like I never got that click until the show ended. And then I was like, oh, we never actually got him in the the full-blown suit. But we got the last moment with the shirt, which was close enough. So, yeah. Which I think was the Brandon Routh suit, wasn't it? That's what wasn't they, he wearing the Brandon Routh suit? So like... In at the beginning of season 10, right, where we it, the season 10 premiere ends with a shot of the, the costume in the fortress. Uh, mm. Martha had made it for him. He was going to wear it. And then Jorel like zapped it away. He's like, you're not ready. And then we but we see it in the fortress. And that was yeah, that was the Brandon Routh costume that they that they used in Smallville. Is the S a Kryptonian symbol or is it something his mom makes up? No, it's a Kryptonian symbol. What's like we- the. Well, so what's weird, and again, I, you know, I have not gone back in a I long time. Yeah, I ha- so someone might be able to shed a little bit more light. For a number of the early seasons, it was the eight. Do you remember? Yeah, it was. Well, well no, it it wasn't. It it was still an S, but it looked like an eight. It was like curled to look like an eight. Yeah, it didn't look like the Superman's. It didn't look like the Superman S. It was more like stylized, where it almost looked like an eight. Yeah, and you're right. then I think it just sort of. I don't know that there was ever an in-story explanation for why it changed. I think at a certain point, it just kind of changed. I, and again, it's, no, I'm no, I'm saying like, was the S that he wore like the actual Superman S, a Kryptonian symbol, like that they established it, or was it something that like his mom was like Superman S? Kind no, of thing? no, no, no. Like, it, it was, it was, it was a, a Kryptonian, Kryptonian thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yes, that is a that is you know the final moment of the series and definitely an iconic one. Speaking of the eight, did you notice when he played football, his number was eight? Yes. That was something I picked up right away that it was like, because it's like an, the closest thing you get, can get to an S. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Uh, All right, my number seven, I have a feeling this is on your list. I would actually be surprised if this isn't. Uh, the end of the episode run where he races with Bart. That is on my list. All yeah. right, so so per our rules, we'll save that uh, okay. to, to, we'll save a discussion of yeah. that to, to when we get okay. to... Uh, to it on yours. All right. So your number six, I'll do my six and then we'll, we'll have our commercial break. We'll be halfway well, through. Oh, my six is actually that. That's oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So perfect. Right. perfect. I'm looking at my list. I'm like, yep, that's perfect. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you, you talk about it first cause you, you kicked it off. You brought it up first. So. Well, okay. So there's a lot that I love about the scene, but what I want to say, cause this is the first one on my list where this applies. And I know you and I have talked about this before. So many of my favorite moments of the show, things that really stick with me are tied to the music at the time, like there were so many great yes. song choices, especially yes. in the early seasons. And I mean, look, to be honest, am I a huge Rascal Flats guy? No, not necessarily, but they use their song Feels Like Today at the, at the end of this. And it just, it just accompanied the scene perfectly, I thought. And I just loved mm-hmm. the, the brotherly, you know, big brother, little brother dynamic with Clark and Bart and, and the visual of their race, the fact that Bart won uh, and yeah. the music. It was, yeah. I love that moment. What, what about you? Dude, so good. It has such like a heroic feel to it. Like that, it, like it just like you're right. Like this, like I don't really listen to Rascal Flats at all, like on my own, but like you're right, in the moment with the imagery that's going on and like the color palette that they've got going, like it, like everything looks like really like like 
sunsetty kind of sunbathed. Like there's like this like yeah. orange light on them, and like and they're like running together, and like you can tell that they're like like you know like 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 laughing. Like and then all of a sudden Barry just kind of pulls out ahead of him a little bit and starts running backwards, and then he does like the the salute, yeah, and like. And then he turns around and just like like blazes out, and then Clark kind of like stops. He's like, "Holy shit!" Like he's way faster than me, and like th- it just had like this really cool like heroic like noble end to it. You know, it was it was cool. It was actually a toss up for me between that and when he runs on water earlier in the episode mm. when you see the flash run water, and that was kind of cool. But like tonally, like that last shot, like you said, with the music, the sunlight, like everything about it, like it just had this very uplifting, heroic like like thing to it you know like I, that was a moment like that i remember with my dad where like after that end he was like tell me all you know about the flash like like after that he's like that was so cool like, yeah yeah i love that it was so close on our lists as well that it like landed yeah. in pretty much the same place for us yeah and you know the other thing too that and there might be an opportunity to discuss something like this if, on your list later i have a feeling you might have something but you know at the because t- it's like people now, ourselves included, right? I mean, we see comic book characters on screen all the time, all kinds of versions, big screen, small screen, crossovers. All, like at the time, you know, it was a there big, was none of it. It was none of it. It was a yeah. big deal when they brought. And you know, it's funny. Even this, it's like it was Bart. You know, it was. It oh, wasn't, you're right. Yeah, it wasn't right. Barry. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't Wally. But he in, looked like Barry, though. That was the thing. Like, like the way they made him look like he took in the first one. I think later on they like changed him where he had the hoodie and everything. But like right. in that in that first episode, he looked like yeah, you're right, dude, yeah. totally. But it was but and but even that, it was like we'll take it. You know, it was like yeah, you know. And then yeah. he even has that line to because Clark says, "Well, what are you going to do?" And he goes, "Well, I'm going to go see if there are any other people like us, maybe form a league or club or something." And it's like again it's for- like holy shit yeah dude i remember i remember going to high school the next day like in study hall like in, in like before school started and like like my friends that didn't even like like superheroes were like dude did you see smallville last night the flash was in it and they said there was gonna be like a league like it was it was crazy it was like i was like yeah i know it was so cool and like after that like me and my friends thought it was so cool like when he like like the whole effect of like you never actually see him run but the fact they just make the noise and like he would like like appear from like side to side to side like like when clark breaks into his room and he's like he walks out of the shower and he's like and then he's like dressed and then he's got all his backpack and all his shit and like and like the way they like use the budget to like do the effect really well like even though they weren't really spending the money doing it they just like use camera tricks to like show that like he's really fast you know it was cool so cool and you know that actor kyle gallner i i think he's great i it's it's disappointing to me that he never and i don't know if it was him and availability or the producers but you know never seen him on flash you know at least you know oh yeah you're right seven seasons in it's like it would be cool to kind of have uh, that moment because he he was great and i was always happy he didn't come back a ton and it took a long time before he came back but i'm glad that they brought him back and i was always happy to see him pissed me off they called him impulse later on you reminded me about that like later on they called him impulse and i was like why like i yeah, I know. But again, it's like, you know, we took what we could get at the time. And yeah, especially exactly. at that point, you know, it's like the only other, for the most part, caught, you know, a uh, powered characters on the show were meteor freak. So it's like to get, and that was actually a big thing mm-hmm. for Clark at the moment too, when he met Bart and it was like, Oh, you're not, you're not a meteor freak. Yeah. You got your powers another yeah. way. No, I, I love when he was like, so you've never been to Smallville? He's like, no, nah, dude, and no offense, but probably never coming back. Like, like, that was really funny. His personality was so good. Like, like, because he was like funny and like, 
kind of a jerk, but still at the same time, like a hero. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they threaded that line really well where he wasn't like annoying either. Like he wasn't just like throwing quips and it was like getting like, like irritating either, you know? Yeah. Do a good job with it. All right. So that was my number seven and your number six. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my number six and then we can, we'll, we'll do our commercial break uh, and we'll be halfway through. You know, the last episode of this podcast was three hours and 15 minutes. We're making great progress. I don't think we're going to, we're going we're to get into that range. We're going to keep this, we're going to, we're going to keep this a lot more manageable. Uh, um, though I remain very proud of that epic extravaganza. So my number six, and this is a tiny bit of a cheat because it, it kind of spans the end of one episode and the beginning of another, but the tornado. The end of season mm. one, beginning of season two. Um, so season one finale, Tempest, and then the season two premiere, uh, Vortex. I, I, It's on the list because it was just, well, actually, two, I guess two main reasons. One, when I think of iconic moments from the show, uh, like the end of that season and the twister and Clark, you know, racing up, uh, you know, on the road and seeing Lana in her truck about to be swallowed up by the tornado. And then it happens and he races in races into the tornado and that's the end of the show. It's like, oh, like it was such a cool moment. And then the other thing that I love about it is that, you know, it's the only instance in all of the, all of the finales where it's not a Kryptonian threat or something he brought about that he's then going to be guilty for. Like, it's just a natural disaster, Mm -hmm. a natural event. And I just, you know, I don't know, especially now viewing it in the context of the series, there's something I don't know, like almost quaint about it. I, I like the idea that that was the big challenge at the end of the first season was a tornado. Um, and, I, and I love it. And then the second season starts with him in the tornado, like ripping the door off the car and getting on. Like, it was great. I love that. And he says, like, I think I flew. Yeah. Like, later after that, remember, he, like, even says that. So that's where you got another hint of it. We're like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah. That was, I have such vivid memories behind that because that was happening. That aired the same night as, my eighth grade graduation. So there was like this big like ceremony at the school that I went to. And like, I remember the whole time being like, let's just get out of here so we can like watch the Smallville season finale. Like, like it's the Smallville finale. Like, come on, like, let's get, uh, let's get out. Let's get this, let's get the show on the road. Like, and then, yeah, it was one of those things where like we taped it on VHS and then rewatched it when we got home. Yeah. So good, dude. So good. Yeah, it's so funny you bring that up because just earlier tonight, it was thunderstorming. It was like it started kind of the weather was getting dicey around here in White Plains. And we went out to get food and on the way back. The wind was like hellacious. Like it was like insane. And I actually had the thought like this is like the Smallville season finale. Like I feel like there's a tornado coming and like because I, I was thinking about this list and like it was all clicking in my head. So it's very funny that uh, made your list. Good choice. Good choice. I have uh, similar experiences, though, with uh you know, getting anxious at not being able to watch an episode immediately. The two that come to mind are, it was during season three, my parents and I took a trip to Puerto Rico and I think we came, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I think I just like fully missed the episode, but I had my VCR set to record, but I just remember like being on the plane and like driving, but I was like, like, and, and also too, you know, with the VCR, you know, you set it, you know, there's no guarantee. Like, you know, you could have a power out. Like, you have no oh, idea. I know, it's like, yeah. Uh, the amount of times that, like, I missed stuff from the VHS recording was, like, <laughs> insane. It was actually, it was, it was rarer for it to actually work than for it to, like, get screwed up. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like, again, we were gone for a week, so it wasn't like, you know, I we were just going out for a few hours. I set it, and it's like, okay, it should be okay. It's like, I, you know, I hope it's there. And, 
you know, <laughs> not to make ourselves sound old, but you know, it's like you didn't have the option of then just watching it on iTunes no. or the CW app. It's like if you well, missed dude, it, that's it. <laughs> dude, was this in the earlier seasons? This was season three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the DVDs are out at that point. Like, I don't even think the home video was out at that point. Yeah, I can't, that I can't remember. I don't because I remember. Yeah, I don't remember when they started putting those out. But yeah. my memory of I could be wrong, but my memory feels like it was like around the season four premieres when the DVDs started coming out. Oh. But but I could be wrong about that. I could be don't don't hold me that. But that's just like my memory of it. Yeah. And then the other time, and this was now in the era of DVR. But uh, the season eight finale, which I ended up having a lot of <laughs> substantive objections to, but but uh, it was it was a season. Yeah, the season eight finale coincided with uh, my my college graduation. It wasn't the actual commencement ceremony, but there was an honors ceremony like the night before or two nights before, and I remember being there. And I appreciated that I was getting an, an, an award, but I was like, come on, like, get out of here. Well, here's a question for you. Were your parents like, because I know mine were like, calm down. We're going to get home. It's just a TV show. It's not a big deal. Like, this is, this is important. This is your eighth grade graduation. Like, but like, I can guarantee you that the only reason I remember that eighth grade graduation is because of how like stressed I was that I was going to miss Smallville. Like, yeah. had that not been a factor... I have I would have zero recollection of that whatsoever. So like I mean, college graduation is a little different, you know what I mean? But um, but like yeah, but I I, I do think that's why where your parents like calm down, calm down, just take it easy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't have a specific memory of that. I mean, I feel like by that point they knew me well enough that they were probably like, all right, whatever. I mean, I you know, uh, and to be honest though, too, I don't know that I I don't know how much of it I articulated. I think that was a little bit more of like an internal thing like i was like all right, you gotcha know. yeah i don't think i was yeah i don't think i was sitting there I'm like when are we gonna go i mean i was <laughs> i was 22 at that point <laughs> I, you know? but uh yeah so uh, throwing the throwing the program on the ground like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so all right so we're now halfway through so uh let's do a quick commercial break 30 seconds and then we'll be back for the second half of our top 10 movie lovers should check out this family of film festivals the Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, the Hang On To Your Shorts Film Festival in Asbury Park, and the Point Lookout Film Festival on Long Island. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the podcasts hosted by the festival's organizer, C.J. Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen On Film podcast, via a shared universe network. And we're back. And while we're plugging things, um, so after we do our top 10, uh, you and I each have a couple of honorable mentions uh, that we're going to discuss on Digging Deeper, uh, the Patreon-exclusive continuation uh, of Digging for Kryptonite. So uh, for people who want to hear the rest of our picks that didn't make it onto the top 10, uh, be sure to check out uh, Digging Deeper, available two days from now at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. And... Uh, Ken, you are in the midst of this uh, DC Comics, this round robin competition. Can you, uh, and I mentioned this in the last episode, but now that we have you here, uh, can you tell people what that's all about? Yeah, totally. So DC is doing a, uh, it's a new publishing initiative plan event they're doing where they're going on social media and they've got, they started out with 16 different comic book ideas, like for what would be miniseries and they're having fans vote on which ones they want and they're it's 
kind of March Madness style where like goes from 16 to eight to four to two to the winner. So um, I'm me and Cena Grace is so Cena Grace is writing and I am drawing the pitch for a Green Lantern book called Green Lanterns Underworld on Fire, which is starring Kyle Rayner and Kilowog. And so Kyle Rayner is my favorite Green Lantern. So and I've been trying to get a Kyle Rayner series done for five years now at DC. I've, every project I've been like, hey guys, let's do Kyle Rayner, Kyle Rayner, you know. So it's cool that it's a uh, you know some getting some getting some traction now. So currently. We're recording it now before so so we won the first round that we were up against the second round we were up against now we're as we're recording the third round of voting which is us which is green lanterns underworld on fire versus robins which is going to be starting from when we're recording next week when this airs i think it's going to be in the middle of the voting so if you haven't seen it or if yeah it's just check it out on instagram or twitter that's where the voting is going to be so um, if it's still up there by the time this airs, check it out. And if you like what you see, give it a vote and, you know, check out the other, the other two on the other side. So we're on the West, the Western conference as this is laid out. Okay. If in the, the March madness style, we're on the Western conference. So it's us against Robbins and on the Eastern conferences, um, blue beetle versus suicide squad. So there's there, I think in this round there, when this airs, this round will be a page of art from, so a page of story art, which is like with letters and everything. So, you'll be able to see a page of story art from each one and check it out and vote for whichever one you, you like. So yeah, cool way to get the fans involved. Yeah. Well, I'll go, I'll go further and I'll say vote for, for Ken's, uh, <laughs> vote for Ken's submission. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, since I have multiple social media handles for my various projects, they all voted and, uh, oh, thank <laughs> I'll happily you. Thank do you. that again. Uh, and I, I encourage yeah. people to do that. I mean, yeah, both me and Cena are both huge Kyle Rayner fans. Like when, um, like I, I had never met him before, but when we started on this project, we messaged, you know, and we're texting about how we both like, be, be, I mean, before like it went, you know, was posting stuff, but how we like both had the same Kyle Rayner action figure from the JLA Kenner series and everything. So yeah, we're both huge Kyle Rayner fans. And the script that I read from, from Cena, it's, it's really cool. It's like classic Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, action-packed. Like, the personality that he wrote is dead-on, dude. Like, dead-on, like, classic Kyle Rayner. So if you're a Kyle fan or a Green Lantern fan, definitely think about giving it a vote because it's the me and Sam, we both, we're both, like, two fans who, like, want to make a cool story for Kyle, you know, so. Very yeah. cool. Uh, well, lots of luck. I'll be voting, and I hope uh, our audience will as well. I mean, I, I you know, same here. I mean, if... I get the appeal of Hal Jordan. And I know this is a separate conversation. I get the appeal and there are Hal stories that I like, but ultimately I think my heart is with Kyle. And I think, I don't know. I think they're just more angles to explore with, with Kyle um, to like really dig into the character. So, Yeah. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I, I love Hal too. And I love John. Like I, like I said yeah. before in our, our top 10 characters that those three are kind of like my, they occupy a similar space in my favorites. But like, if I really had to pick one, like Kyle definitely edges them out just because like the nostalgia for me, he just looks the coolest his costume. And I'm getting to draw the cool costume, you know, with the, the black suit, the white patch and the big crab mask. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. I love it. Um, all right. So back to our top 10 Smallville moments. Uh, so you're number five. Number five. Okay. Let me see here on my list here. Okay. This is from season one. Um, this is, do you remember the episode where Le uh, Clark and his classmates are on a trip to the Luther court plant yeah. and the jitters, I think the, the guy, the jitters who was, um, 
an old farmhand that used to work with, I think, Clark's dad. Yep. He used to he had then gotten a job at the Luther Corp plant and they there was an explosion and he got the jitters, the kryptonite got embedded in his skin and he started like shaking a lot. Yep. And so he basically held the Luther Corp plant hostage while Clark was on a Clark and his classmates were on a um a field trip. Uh, field trip. There we go. Field, field, field trip to the Luther Corp plant. And so the whole episode revolves around uh all the parents like the the kents and all the school parents like kind of outside and the cops and everything outside the perimeter while the guy with the jitters is, has everyone hostage and there's like the back and forth it's like a very hostage kind of episode you know and it ends with clark saving the day and everyone getting out and you know all of it and, and, and lionel's there you know because he's like my son's in there too we need to you know so it ends with them all getting out and the, the, to me this I always think about this when I think about Smallville is that that episode ends with it. It's like in the foreground is Clark like hugging his mom and dad. And they're like, Oh Clark, we're so worried about you. And he's like, he's like hugging them. And like, and you can tell just like so happy to be together. And you can see that family warmth. And then like it pans back and you see Lionel give Lex a hug. And he's doing the whole like Lex, my son. And like, you can tell he's like putting on this big show and like, he's like gives Lex a hug and Lex just kind of like, like half ass kind of like leans into it. And he like looks over and like, and I can't remember the song they played, but I remember it like it matched the scene perfectly. Like Lex like looks over and like, you see him like looking at Clark and like the warmth that Clark's parents have with him. And like the fact that genuinely care about him. And he's just kind of standing there and like the way it's shot and he's so sullen and moody looking and like, and you can just tell in his face, he's like, I want what you have so badly. And like that to me, like defines the whole relationship for the characters in the sense that all Lex wants, like in, in the comics, it's Lex wants to be Superman, but I think it's even deeper than that. It's like Lex wants to be Clark and not, not because of the powers or any of that. It's just that he just wants a family that cares about him and someone to care about him when no one does. And everyone just kind of like, kicks him to the side and like it, they, they play that huge dichotomy too with how lex like has physically everything like he has all the money he has everything he could want and clark in the show kind of has nothing like they always make they make a point that they're very like they, like meager means like they, they can't afford like he can't afford a gamecube or anything like they, they they point this stuff out and like but you see that all the stuff in the world and all the money doesn't mean like anything if you don't have like people to share with. And like, I felt they, they boiled it down so well in that one shot of the scene. I, I had chills as you were, as you were describing that, uh, cause I haven't thought about that scene in a long time, but, uh, that is a great pick and, uh, yeah, a perfect encapsulation of, uh, so much of that dynamic, uh, between those two men, between the two of them and, and their parents and the differences um, in parenting approaches. And uh, I, I really think you, yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head with that idea of, because yeah, I know a lot of times in the comics, especially post-crisis, it's like, you know, there's this jealousy that Lex has towards Superman, but it's like this, like you said, I mean, really is a lot deeper. I mean, he wants what Clark has, he just wants to be loved and accepted mm -hmm. unconditionally, you know, not because yeah. of, you know, uh, what what he could accomplish. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, you in, in terms of, uh, you know, Jonathan and Martha, but especially Jonathan versus Lionel and, and how they parented their their sons, it's like Jonathan was, you know, Lionel was trying to raise Lex to be great. Jonathan was just trying to raise a good man, 
you know, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, that scene, what a great scene. And it's funny when you're talking about the uh, like the meager means of the Kens. I think back to the pilot when uh, after Clark saves Lex on the bridge, and then Lex sends over that new truck, and like Clark is so excited. It's like that's a that's yeah. like a huge deal. Yeah, and, and dude, that almost in my list. It's so funny to bring that up because like I, that's when Jonathan's like he like he gave everyone flashy gifts. He like swings the keys around his finger, and he's like, "You can't keep it, Clark." Like he's just such like good parenting from Jonathan Kent. You know, like. Yeah. So good. That almost made my list too. The lesson. Cause jo- cause Clark is like, well, I, you know, I saved his life and Jonathan's like, well, what do you think you deserve a prize? Yeah. Um, so even yeah. early on, like instilling this, you know, this moral code that like you don't help people because of what you're going to get out of it. Um, that did not mm-hmm. make my list, but we talked about it anyway. So we cheated. Yeah. That, 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 was, that almost, that, that almost made my list. That almost made my list. So I'm glad, I'm glad we got it in there. Well, while we're, this is perfect. Cause while we're on the subject of Lex, my number five is from season five, uh, the second episode of season five, Mortal. So at this point, uh, Clark once again is powerless. He's, he's uh, Jor-El took away his, he's always taking away his powers. Uh, he's, Jor-El takes away his powers at the end of uh, the season five premiere. So season, episode two starts and Clark is powerless. And these uh, meteor freaks escape uh, Bell, Bell Reeve, wherever they are. Um, and they take the Kents hostage and Clark has to save the day without using any powers. And he does. But what Chloe helps him discover is that uh, Lex was actually behind all of this. He set the, these these guys loose and, and, and you know, sent them to the Kents as a way to test Clark. Right. Because Lex, for, you know, forever has had these suspicions about, uh, you know, what Clark can really do. And so so Clark figures this out. And so my moment here is this big confrontation between Clark and Lex at the mansion where like Clark comes in guns blazing and he just starts punching Lex. Like, do you remember this? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was just, you know, to see Clark's righteous anger, um, to see him take it out on Lex in a way that normally he wouldn't or or couldn't, you know, without killing him. Yeah. was so interesting. And it just, you know, that was really, I look at that moment as really the end of their friendship because, you know, there was always some level of tension. And at the end of season three, they had a falling out when Clark, you know, realized that Lex had been investigating him after the the bridge incident. But they kind of were able to, you know, kind of work through it in season four and they were still friendly. But after this, you know, it's not like they're at each other's throats every episode, but they're not friends. Like they never go back yeah. to being friends. And uh, that was really the final straw for Clark. And yeah. this was six season six. This was five. Uh, okay okay i'm trying to remember okay yeah this was five but he's like you know if you want to test me like do it yourself you coward like he like he hits him again and Mm -hmm. then uh he goes to hit lex for like a third time uh but this time lex blocks it and punches clark and clark's you know lip starts to bleed and lex is you know lex is clearly surprised because he's like wait what the hell i thought this this kid had powers yeah and uh and and clark is like are you satisfied and he and it, it was such a great moment i love that yeah, dude, so good. Yeah, any any time there's those confrontations between Lex and Clark, especially like they they played that a, a few times where like he didn't have powers. Like I think in season one where he's like, oh, he's in the hospital and he's like, why don't you go hit me with your car now in the parking lot kind of thing, right? And like it kind of illuminates this like this crazy leap that that Lex makes where like he thinks he's got superpowers because he pulled him out. Like if you if you step back and think about like we don't question it as an audience because we're like, oh no, it's Superman. He clearly but like. If you don't have like the 
the the the mental tether for knowing what Superman even is. Like it's a crazy leap that Lex makes that he's just so sure of that. Like this guy's got powers and he's invulnerable <laughs> and like clearly he's like running around fast and like you know. Like, I know it's tr- yeah. no, I know that is that is very very true. Uh, yeah, like if you don't have that frame of reference, I mean, what's the likelier scenario that he has right? like, that? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just a, a freak thing, where I don't know. Like he had adrenaline, you know, adrenaline in the moment. Like you hear about, you know, yeah. a parent lifting a car to save their child. It's like you know, maybe it was something like that. It's like, why do you think yeah. he's an alien? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, Bro, I, I don't even know if he thinks he's an alien at that point. He just thinks he's like, like. Like like a like like a like a mutant or something, you know? Like yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess in Lex's defense, now I'll play devil's advocate here. I mean, it is Smallville and they do know that there are these meteor freaks. Like they know there are people with powers. Although not at that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the pilot. So I mean that's the very beginning. But like as we progress, I mean all the characters know that there are people in the town with powers. So the I guess the fact that any of them might think like, oh, Clark, you know, has powers. I mean, I guess it's not so much of a stretch, but uh yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you. I mean, like that is yeah. <laughs> quite a leap. Quite a leap. So that's my number five. Nice, nice. Okay, what are we on? Four? Yes. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep this Lex centric. It's uh it's I think it's in season one. <laughs> like like most of my picks. It's in season one and it's the <laughs> the old lady who can like see the future. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. I think this was like in the first five episodes too. She like touches clark's or not Clark, she she like she has this premonition that she can she has this ability like a meteor power that she can see the future and like it's built up i, I can't remember if she actually sees the future but she does she does actually see the future right with people yeah and the very end of the episode the episode is lex has been hearing all about her from clark and he goes to talk to her and she touches his hand and it flashes to lex as the president with the black glove from the kryptonite poisoning and he's standing in a field and then it starts raining blood all over him and he's standing in front of the oval office like right like yeah. and he's in the white suit and like it's raining blood on him and then the old woman dies because she like can't handle the, the truth but like one it, it only reinforces my thing that lex is the president it was like a way bigger deal it's <laughs> like in the comics you know like remember <laughs> right. we talked about that like it was only like a year and a half in publishing time but in my head like no lex is the president for a substantial amount of time but but also it's such a great when i was talking about the visual symbolism of the characters like to me that was one of those moments but for the villain side of it like a great like to me the thing that like this is his ultimate destination is to be like this like evil version of like the president who like is manipulating people and he's got the and he's like causing bloodshed and all this crazy stuff like like yeah that's like that was such a cool like and it was right in the beginning too and i remember my dad because he didn't read the comics at the time was like what's that about and i go oh in the comics lex becomes the president so it was like one of this cool thing to me that like it's it like kind of planted the seeds for like this superman will become the superman in the comic books and this lex will become lex in the comic books it, it just always stuck with me yeah, that was cool. I remember that in you. That was really early on. And um, and she sees Clark's future too, right? Like we see from Clark's point of view, like him saving all these people, right? Like zipping around. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then do we yeah. see, is that the episode where we see the cape? Like we see the, like the little bit, like. Hang on to that. Hang on to okay, that. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's a great pick. Uh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. But yeah, I mean that, that I know you're right. That imagery of him in that, in that white suit, as the president. Mm-hmm. And we'll see that revisited a few times over the, before the series is including in the series finale. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what his pop is too? 
Is it, or am I wrong about that? Oh, is that his pop? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, I have to double check, but I think that is. I think it is because I think we were complaining about the fact that the pops they picked were like yeah. from like these like strange moments from the show, not like their iconic looks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That that, that yeah. did drive me nuts. But yeah, I think that is the yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um. So that's so that's number four. Okay, my number four. Now I don't know people. I don't know if this might be surprising, but I think this it's one of my favorite scenes, and I also just feel like it so perfectly captures. One of the relationships of the show, a core cornerstone relationship of the show, and also really represents like the whole, uh, ver- like what a big part of those early seasons was about. It's the Klana scene, the Clark and Lana scene uh, from the end of season three, episode two, Phoenix. This is the song with Dido's white, this is the scene with Dido's uh, white flag okay. playing in the background. So this was after Clark Clark had put on the red kryptonite ring and he spent the summer like tearing it up in Metropolis and he pushed Lana away. And now finally he's back on the farm. Things are settled down. Uh, but they had started a relationship before this whole episode. And now, you know, things are very uncertain. So, you know, Lana rides up on horseback and, you know, Clark is fixing the sign on the Kent farm and they're outside and Dido's playing in the back. Again, not a huge Dido guy, but the song like just fits so perfectly. And we have, it's just such a classic Clark Lana scene where there's so much longing there, um, but this huge divide between them. And uh, the fence was actually between them, wasn't it? The, oh, it might have been. I forget. That's I got to double check that. Uh, but, and, and, you know, going back to just the, the aesthetic of the scene, I mean, just colors pumped up, like super saturated, warm light. Uh, one of those early season exterior scenes when, when we're on the mm-hmm. farm and, you know, she's talking about how, like, you know, I just, I really, you don't have to protect me. Like, I want to know you. And he's like, you don't want to know me. Like the way you looked at me in Metropolis, like, I never want you to, to look at me like that again. And she says, well, that wasn't really you. And he's like, Lana, I chose to let that part of myself out. And uh, he's like, you know, last year I tried so hard to be the right guy for you. And I'm just, I'm not like, this will never work. And, uh, and she gets on her horse and she's like, Clark, you never had to try. And she rides off and it's just, it's all the angst. It's all the angst. It's all the longing. It's, uh, it's just everything that was their relationship. And it's like, we would get so many versions of that scene over and over that, you know, after a while, it got kind of tiresome, but at the time. I just thought it was a great scene and it just summed up like if you had to say like, well, what's a scene that really sums up their relationship? I would say watch that scene. So that's that's uh, yeah. that's mine. No, dude, I'm that's a great pick. Great scene. Um, I think as like older adults like we are, we like now we, we tend to look back at stuff like that and be like, oh, it's so cringy and stuff. But like superheroes are made for like like teenagers and kids and the, the show is made for like teenagers and like what's not more relatable than that when you're a teenager, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's one of the things that like makes Superman so freaking relatable is like his relationship with like Lana and Lois. And like, like, I, yeah, it was a great scene. And like, I, <laughs> another thing that annoys me sometimes when I talk to friends, like, and they're like, why do they need to put like the relationship stuff and all the superhero stuff? I'm like, that's what makes it relatable. Like that, that is like literally like you need those tethers to like reality of like personality and relationships to make, the characters like relatable so yeah it's i 100 percent agree with you great scene i remember the music exactly i can picture the whole thing in my head perfectly like 
and your reenactment of it was very good too. So. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> never had to try, Clark. You never had. I know it just it hit, and that's the thing. It's like yes. I mean, again, it still works for me. Watch, and I basically all of these scenes I rewatched on YouTube in advance of of our recording, and like it still works. And yes, I do have that nostalgia for it. I mean, if I were watching it now as an adult for the first time, I mean, I don't know how well it would work for me, but it did the first time. I mean, I was invested, and in, you know, there's a reason why the Zod fight is number nine on my list, but this is number number four. I mean, like this was such a big part of the show, and like you said, I mean, this is how you you connect with the character. Um, yeah, so. Do, do you remember that band, The Calling? They had that song, Wherever You Will Go. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when they played that in Smallville? It was another one of those, like, like where Clark was like, thanks for the dance, Lana. And he was like, like not like, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like, not like, and he was like looking out across the way and like oh, they were playing that song. Wait, is that, you know, are you, you talking, talking about the about? end of the pilot? Because that was everything by Lifehouse. The end of the pilot episode. Where he's dancing with Lana in is the that, barn, but then it turns out she's not really there, and he looks out yeah, across the way. That is what I'm thinking yeah. about. Yeah, but they did another one, very similar scene like that yeah. with the calling because I remember the calling song so much. Like the like song, like like it's like mopey, but it rocks. Like, yeah, like, you know. Like, yeah. I'll I'll admit I had in my in my high school yearbook quote I had uh, a I, I quoted a lyric from one of those calling songs. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was thanks for the dance, Lana. <laughs> no, that would have been great, though. <laughs> oh, my God. That would have been funny. But, w- w- from, from the Lifehouse song, you said was your quote? Or the, the Calling? No, from The Calling. Yeah. Nice. I quote, nice. Yeah, I was from about- that song? Yeah, wherever I think I think that was the one. I was big into the calling at the time. I still love Lifehouse, uh, and Steph and I went to see them live at Coney Island like just a few years ago, um, oh, which, cool, which was cool. cool to finally be able to to do that. But uh, the 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 end of the pilot with everything playing and Clark having this imaginary dance that almost made my list. That was very very close because that too, like when we talk about Clark and Lana, like that's an iconic moment to me. But I felt like Dido was was better in this instance. Yeah, I know, totally great pick, great pick. Number three. Wow, we're really uh, zipping What's along here. Three? Yeah. Okay, what is this? Uh, three. I'm trying to see. Okay, three is it's from the pilot episode. It's um, it's it's when he's in the grid. Sorry, I keep going to the pilot. The, the pilot sticks in my head so much. Like so many of the great scenes I think from the show are from the pilot. Listen, it has um, you know, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, but it has. I mean, Smallville has one of the best pilots. I mean, I think a big reason why the show sustained for ten years was that the pilot was as strong as it was. It's set up so much. I mean, for years they were still playing stuff that, you know, was set up in the... So it's a very strong pilot. Like, I get why you would go to it for a lot of these. Yeah, so this one is when he's in the grave, when when Lana's in the grave site talking to her parents, right? And Clark... The whole scene is really good, but the moment that sticks out to me is Clark walks out to talk to her, and he's like, the way they frame him is he's standing in front of a statue of an angel and like the way it's shot is it looks like he's got angel wings. And like, even as an eighth grader, I thought, holy shit, that's really awesome cinematography. And like, it's, it's when I went, it it leans into why this show made Superman my favorite character. Cause there's so much iconography that you can do. Like, like, I don't think you could do that with like Barry Allen. Right. Or like, Kyle Rayner, like we were talking about, or even mm. Batman to, to a certain degree. Like you, you can't do this because like Superman works on a, on a, a pop culture level, a superhero level, and then this mythological level, right. And like an angelic level. And like the idea of him, like being a superhero who's an angel and like 
it's just kind of foreshadowing for everything he's going to do for the rest of the show and the rest of his life and everything. Such a great shot. And I remember they used it in the DVD book too, I think. Like when you open up the DVD, I think that was like one of the images they used like right in the yeah. in the cover of it. So I thought, I thought it's a great image. It's a great like just cinematography shot and something cool and different for at the time. You, like you, you would never see something like that in Lois and Clark, you know? Right. Yeah, that that stands out. I'm 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 with you. When when um later in season one, when Whitney's father dies and they're all at the funeral in the rain, and I time after time is playing. Oh, do yeah, they do yeah, that yeah. again? Do they do that again with him and the and the angel wings? Or maybe not. I don't know. They they might. They I might. Like- I mean. I mean, in the first season, it was like it was like a parent that they were. Talking, you know what I mean? Like, like it might have been like more subtle in that one, but that one was like he was like standing, and it was like a full body shot, and he was like yeah. had like long amounts of dialogue with it. But, yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's great. That is it. I again, I, I love, I love that our lists have different flavors, and I think honestly, like the stuff that you're mentioning, again, I, it's stuff that I've, I've noticed, but a lot of it is stuff I haven't really thought about in a while. And I think that whenever I do my next viewing of the series, I'll really be looking for that even more, which, so you and your fiance, did you guys go through the entire series or did you stop at a certain point? We, we stopped when Jonathan died. Jonathan Kent okay. died. All right. Cause like it depressed Laura a lot. And she's like, he was like one of the best parts of the show. And then we just got caught up on other shows and we never got back to it. So, okay. Maybe maybe it's on you on Hulu now, so yeah. I think maybe we'll because I I had all the DVDs, but like since we've moved since then and we sent them back to my parents' house, so we don't have the DVDs with us anymore. But it's on Hulu. Maybe we'll uh we'll dive back into it. God, so I'm at a like in a weird spot right now because so our son will be two this this summer, obviously not ready to start watching, but I like I I feel like I'm getting ready for a rewatch, but I feel like I need to wait and watch it with him. It's like, and I don't know, I mean, cause it's 10 seasons and they're 22 episode seasons. So it's like, yeah. would I really do it now? And then again in a few years, I don't know. I feel like I should just wait and just do it. It's with a him. lot. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. I mean, how old do you think he'd be when you start? Like, are you going to wait till he's like 10 or are you going to start like younger? Like when he's like five, cause I feel like he won't get a lot of it. Yeah. When he's, I feel like you have to be in that like teenager, like, almost teenager age to like, you know, like, like 13, 14 to like really get it. You yeah. Know? I mean, I had, there are friends of mine um, and, and listeners of the show who I know they've introduced it to their kids. I'll check with them to see how early they started. Cause maybe, cause I share your instinct. I think earlier well, because, than 10, I feel like would be too, would be too young. Well, no, because like even at 10, like, I feel like there is no suit. There's no, there's no like blatant super heroic. So like so much of what makes us love the show so much is the relatability of Clark. And like, if you're that young, you're not going to relate to him yeah. because like, you know what I mean? Like, cause you're not like, you're not in high school. You're not, you're not going through the same crap he's going through. So I feel like should wait until he's like at least like 12 or 13 until he's yeah. in middle school. Cause like, that's when it's like really going to take hold, you know? I know. So that's another decade. It's like, I don't know. Maybe I should do a rewatch now. Yeah, just, just, just rewatch it. Rewatch. rewatch like like the first couple seasons because those are still really good. And then if you just want to like jump around to like random episodes, you know. That's true. Well, yeah, that's the nice thing of having already rewatched the entire series multiple times is that I don't have to do them all and do mm-hmm. them all in order. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right. So that was your number three, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, this was, I made a last minute switch on this one. There, there were two moments from the same episode and I, I made a last minute swap. 
So the episode is uh, season seven, episode 16, Descent. This is where Lex kills Lionel. Okay. And what I originally picked was that opening scene where he kills Lionel. And that is a powerful moment. It's an iconic moment. It's like what so much of Lex's arc was building to. It's like you knew sooner or later he was going to kill this this guy. But mm. as I was in my YouTube, you know, down my YouTube hole and uh, <laughs> watching clips, I actually, I had to give the edge to, once again, one of those mansion face-offs between Clark and Lex. Because I felt like this one was just so intense and all of the issues that these guys have had and issues with their fathers, like it all just came. Do you remember this scene? V- You're going to have to walk me through this one a little bit. So uh, Clark, based, I mean, the sure, I mean, then, thankfully not too much setup. I mean, Clark is trying, Clark knows that Lionel didn't kill himself. At, and at this point in the series, Lionel has become an ally to Clark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, he yeah. Know, and so he suspects Lex and he's trying to prove it. And so the scene kicks off where Clark is snooping around Lex's office. And then Lex comes in and they have this confrontation and uh, Clark immediately launches into like Lionel didn't kill himself. And Lex is like, I thought you would at least I won't won't do the whole scene. (laughs) Lex is like, you know, I I thought you would at least offer some words of comfort, like get out. And they really go back and forth. And, uh, you know, like Lex says, like, like all I ever wanted was to be your friend, Clark. And, um. And Clark's like, you know, I tried to be your friend, but you were, you know, too obsessed with with power and your delusions. And Lex has it where Lex is like, this is Smallville. He's like meteor freaks, alien ships. And and Clark, again, like uses the word delusions. And as I was watching it, it's still a great scene and it's a powerful scene. But it's like, like Clark has just been gaslighting this guy for the entire series. (laughs) It's no wonder he goes the way he does. I mean, because it's like. I don't know. I mean, it's one thing for Clark to protect his secret, but like chalking up all of these things, like, oh, Lex, like <laughs> you're you're crazy. It's like, oh, well, this stuff is happening and Lex is experiencing it. And Clark is trying to tell him that's not the case. <laughs> I mean, it's actually pretty messed up when you think about it. Um, oh, man, I never I never took that approach to, to, to looking at it before. But you're you're right. You're definitely right. I mean, Lex is also like up in that point, though, has proven himself to be like a psychopath. So like letting him like. Telling him all information probably wouldn't be good. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. But yeah, yeah, but you're right. Yeah. But it goes back to our thing where like we said in the very first episode, crazy leap he makes, even though it's right. But like, you know, but all that crazy stuff hasn't happened yet, but still. Yeah. Uh, but it, but yeah, it's, that, it's that, that is good scene. It's such a great scene. I mean, the two of them are awesome in it and you just feel all that anger. That's it's, I think it's one of those scenes that you you can do when you have a show that's been on for so long and so many episodes and there's so much history, like it all kind of comes up in that moment. And, you know, there, there's a lot that's explored in that scene. Um, cause Lex like kind of turns, cause you know, Clark's all things like, you know, Lionel wouldn't kill himself. And, you know, Lex is like, you know, after years of trying to get my father to embrace me, it's like, you know, he turns to you and he's like, what would a worldly billionaire have in common with a simple farm boy and Clark's like, well, I guess he just thought he could trust me, Lex. And then Lex turns it and he's like, um, I forget the, you know, the, uh, how exactly he gets there, but he brings up Jonathan and he's like, you know, yeah, cause you're the perfect son. So tell me, why is it that Jonathan Kent always looked so stressed? Like, was it really that hard raising the perfect son? I wonder what that stress did to his heart. And Clark's like, are you telling, are you trying to blame my father's death on me? And he's like, they really go at it. It's very, very strong. It's a great scene. I had to give the edge to that as much as 
the Lionel killing scene is is very strong. I had to go with uh, the face off. That's a good one. That that that's probably like the 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 most save from the last one in the fortress. That was probably like the most like antagonistic, like everything building to a head kind of scene. Yeah, between the two of them, right? Yeah, yeah, that was good. Uh, so that was my number three. So what's uh what you got for number two? Number two here. Okay, this is um Clark meeting Christopher Reeve in season two because it was it. It's is this on your list or no? So uh, once again, man, uh, great minds think alike because I have a different moment from that same episode for my number two. Okay, okay, okay. So should should I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, okay. mine is mine is not the Christopher Reeve. Meeting. Okay, so yeah, for me it was it it it's not even so much what happens in it because like it, it is cool that you do get this info dump of like what Krypton is, where he's from, what like, and all that cool stuff that like is finally revealed to Clark, which is awesome. But like just the fact that it's Christopher Reeve and you see Tom Welling talking. So new Superman talking to old Superman and there's this passing of the torch and they even end it with the stinger of the, which they never use in the show up to that point. They never use the, the John William music. So it was just this, it's really cool. And especially now in hindsight that he passed away so soon at Christopher Reeve passed away so soon after this, like, like it, it kind of transcended like Christopher Reeve himself being like, you know, playing Superman, but then getting in that horrific accident. And then afterwards, like using his platform to then inspire other people to like, to do great things. Like, like he kind of was Superman in real life. You know what I mean? So like, like, like after that, like after all, all the hardships and the horrible stuff they had to go through and like to, to then still inspire people afterwards, like it made him like a real Superman. So like seeing that in the show with Tom Welling, like and like a passing of the tour, it was just so many things working on so many levels for that. And I still get emotional thinking about it because like Chris Free was like my hero when I was a kid. So like, yeah, it's a, it, was, it was a great moment for sure. That, I mean, that, at the time especially was huge. I mean, I remember, you know, when they announced that this was going to happen and they flew Tom Welling to New York to film the scenes there because um, mm-hmm. Reeve couldn't travel. And like you said, having that that passing of the torch and, you know, again, it wasn't just some random scene. I mean, he's conveying, you know, the answers to the question, like the big questions that Clark has had up until this point. Uh, yeah, it was really powerful. Do you remember the PSA that they did at the end of, of the episode? Where it was, I do. Was it for was it for the Chris Free Foundation? Yeah, with, it, the, with the dog tags. I, I I bought one of those dog tags. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a. Was it, that what it was for? I th- yeah yeah it was for the foundation yeah. and but they used one of the outtakes for for the actual PSA where at the end of it Christopher Reeve is just like please please give please call and like yeah. <laughs> they both start laughing and that was the one that they used but yeah it was great that was um. I was a little bit torn about using that one. I ended up going with a different moment from the, but I'm glad that you had that on your list. Uh, but yeah, that episode, um, again, I guess to jump to my number two, uh, the, the scene that I went with was the ending scene with Clark and Jonathan, uh, in the barn with the ship. Okay. Um, because you know, Clark, I mean, it's a lot for Clark to process, right? The fact that the planet he's from is gone, right? So he's, there's this feeling of being alone and then he puts the key and the and the hard drive like into the ship and he, he reads a message in Kryptonian. And as Clark reads it, it's from Jor-El and it says like you like conquer them 
with strength or rule them with strength. That's what it was. Rule them with strength. And, you know, it really messes with his head and he has this heart to heart with Jonathan. And he's like, what, like, what kind of people do I come from? Is this what I'm going to become? And, you know, and Jonathan's like, listen, like, I, I know you better than anyone. I raised you. Like, they might be your biological parents, but I'm like, I'm your dad. And, you know, it, it doesn't fully settle Clark. I mean, this is clearly something he'll be wrestling with, but they have this nice moment where they embrace and then the camera pans around and you see Jonathan <laughs> and he's hugging Clark, but like he opens his eyes and he has this moment of like, oh shit, like, <laughs> oh no, oh no. <laughs> and I just, I thought it was such a great scene because it, um, again, as far as the mythology of the character and, and the show, it was a big jump forward um, in terms of now what Clark knows. But I thought this, you know, the, the, the feeling of being alone, I mean, that I'm glad that they incorporated that, but I felt like it was, in, they added this interesting angle of, you know, possibly him being sent here to conquer. And then when we get to meet Jor-El, um, or actually, no, wait, oh, now my memory is failing me. Do we hear Jor-El's voice in that episode or does it come late? It might be later. I think it's later. I think it's later. Yeah. I think it's later. it's later. But, you know, when we ultimately quote unquote, meet Jor-El via his voice. You know, it's the voice of Terrence Stamp who played Zod, which always led people to think like it wasn't the real Jor-El or, you know, and and again, it was this was a much colder Jor-El than we've become accustomed to in other incarnations. So this idea that like maybe he was meant to be a conqueror, ultimately that doesn't prove to be the case, but it was an interesting idea. And I just thought that moment between Clark and Jonathan uh, was, was, was just really impactful um, and, and that little twist of ending on that note of uncertainty for Jonathan, like he's going to be there for her son. He believes in his son, but at the same time, there's this little, you know, there's a little bit mm-hmm. of doubt, which I feel like was very human and, uh, and, and, and really tracked with the characters. So that, yeah, that's my, that's my pick for number two. Nice. That's a great pick. That's a great pick. And that's a moment that I definitely can see in my head very clearly. Cause they're like in the barn, in the cellar and all the glyphs are like spinning around them. Yeah. And it's like, like very, very iconic moment that like i think about a lot when i think about the show so that's a great pick for sure um yeah there's something else i want to say about it um oh the idea that like when clark's like what kind of people am i from like he gets this like and like i love that jonathan has that moment that you said like where he's like it doesn't matter where you came from like all that matters is what you do right now going you know what i mean like like all this crap about your heritage and like and what they intended for you like that doesn't mean anything like you make your own choices and you go for it and like i thought that was a really powerful thing and, and why i ultimately feel like superman superman because of his parents on smallville and the kents right like i actually think his kryptonian side has almost nothing to do with like him being superman aside from the powers like the the values and like the heart of the character come from his parents so i think that's a great kind of representation of that yeah for sure uh, well, we've come to the point where it's time for us to reveal our, our top picks, our number one uh, Smallville moments. Cool. Number Okay, so my number one Smallville moment, we kind of touched on it earlier. It's um it's in an episode where I want to say it's either season two or three. There's a kid who's got a power that when he touches people, he sees how they die. So That's it's similar it. to that old lady who sees yep. the future, but it's this kid who has the power that like – and. The, the whole episode is like he accidentally bumps into Lana and like he sees her dying in a fire and like you kind of the whole episode is basically how does Clark prevent this from happening kind of thing right and this kid is very like antisocial in school because he doesn't want anyone to touch him because he does he hates seeing how everyone dies and he bumps into Clark 
and it cuts to this thing where it's like you almost see space and you see like light and then you see like the cape kind of flutter and you see like the red cape move and then you see the yellow s on the back of the cape too and like you see the whole thing yeah. and then like he's just like whoa and then like they talk about that later in the show like he asks him what did you see when you touched me and he's like he's like it's weird man like you like you don't have an end and like it's this cool symbolic moment of superman never dies like not to say clark doesn't die but like the idea of superman is like everlasting and i think it's like a very meta comment on like the whole mythology and like superheroes in general and like again something that you can't do with other characters like you can't really do that with batman you can't i mean i guess you could do like him touching and seeing like a bat or something or like flash or green like like, like there is iconography of other characters both superman it's like it's so powerful like the idea of like just like just a red cape is like enough to like instill in people like not only superheroes but like goodness and like everlasting hope and all this like all the crap that like all the quote-unquote corny crap that people attribute to superman but it's like really meaningful shit it's like it's like why we read comic books is like all these like emotions that like superheroes give us and all boils down to superman and like and can all be boiled down to this one moment seeing the cape fluttering to show that superman has no end it's great it's like to me it's the single image frame of the show that i think about all the time and it's ironic because it's all cg none of the <laughs> actors are in it but it's like it literally to me like boils down everything about the show that I think is great. And it's also like what, what I love so much about the show and why I liked the first half so much better than the second half was that it had those like illusions of what's to come, right? Like, Oh, the S on the armor or like the seeing the red Cape or Lex's president. Like these, like these things are like, this is what these characters will be. They will, this is what they will grow into. And like these like visual cues and allusions to it. And like, as the show goes on, it kind of like kind of morphs into like its own version of like the Superman myth. Whereas like in the first half, it's like, it's this cool grounded, like take on like the early years. Like, I don't know. It, it's just, I, I'm probably not making sense at this point, but I really love this moment. So no, I, I get what you're saying. And you know, I, there's a lot that I like about the later seasons, but at the same time, I mean, if you asked me which era of the show represents like the core of Smallville or the core of what the show was intended to be, I definitely think it's those first hundred episodes, like the, you know, those, the first four and a half mm -hmm. seasons. Um, I think that there's a lot of good stuff in the later seasons and they, you know, at a certain point it's like, for the show to continue, they had to do something. And, you know, going back to my mm -hmm. number 10 pick where, you know, season eight, like really kicks off a new direction yeah. and he starts being a metropolis and working at the planet and he's the red, blue blur and all that stuff. And like you said, it's like, yeah, they are now developing more of their own, like their own version of the legend as opposed to in the beginning where it's like, you're getting these hints at this legend he's going to fit into like later. So mm -hmm. I, so I get it. Um, again, I like, I like each, era of the show in its own way but yeah i definitely I, I do agree completely that you know those early seasons really really capture what the show was intended to be at, at its heart yeah i mean it's the ones i think about and like the ones i think when i think of the show it's like i think of clark and lana and lex and and, and the, the kents like on the farm debating problems and like dealing with a meteor freak like like that's kind of like what i right. think of the show and like you said, after season eight, like that moment, season eight going forward, I think that that part of the show, there's definitely cool stuff in there and it's its own version. And it, it feels more like Lois and Clark-ish, like that type of show. And that's still pretty cool. And to me, like the, the bad parts of Smallville are like between the end of high school and 
up until that point. Those like couple seasons in there were like like the Supergirl season and like the the um uh like the season seven. Like I mean, there's some cool stuff in them, but like overall, like tonally, they're just kind of like they they're trying to be still in high school, but they're also kind of trying to be into the future. So it's like this weird like kind of like we don't know what we're doing kind of moment. So yeah, and that's what I said. You know why why I like that kick off to season eight because it acknowledged that Clark had been kind of stuck. And that, that was my frustration with those in between years as well, where again, it just didn't feel like there was any forward momentum. Like there was nothing, you know, it's like he had his challenge each season, you know, in season six, he escaped the phantom zone and all the zoners came out with him and he had to hunt them down over this. So like there was some kind of engine there to kind of, you know, keep things going, but it just didn't feel like as a character, he was moving forward. So, um, yeah, those in-between years are, are a little rough. I mean, that's probably my least favorite. Yeah, that is my least favorite era um, of the show. I mean, the early seasons, yeah, I would say are my favorite. And then number my second place would be uh, the, the last few seasons, because I think there's some good stuff there. And it became something else, but it needed mm-hmm. to. Uh, but excellent pick. Uh, for, oh, for, for um, the, the, the kid with the powers, was that Ryan? Or is that, am I thinking of a different episode? It wasn't Ryan. It wasn't no, this, Ryan. This, okay. was, this was the kid who was like, I, I, okay. I think it was like the kid who was like on their track team. And like, it was like the track coach's daughter got killed. And like, he was like, and he blamed Lana and someone else on the track team. Okay. And like, I think like the vision he saw was like the track coach, like lighting everyone on fire. So something crazy like that. But like, um, it was, you know, it was just, it was a random kid on the show that went to gotcha. that school. Yeah, okay. yeah, it wasn't Ryan. Yeah. Remember when Adam Brody was on the show as one of the media freaks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was cool. <laughs> yeah. He's cool. He drew comic books. That's I mean, right. It makes, yeah. me, it makes me wonder if Adam Brody in real life draws. Cause like on the OC, he did that too. So like, like, was the, was that just like freaky coincidence or was that, uh, something he actually wanted to be a comic book artist and like, I don't know. I'm trying to convince Steph to do yeah. a, uh, to, to binge the OC cause she's never seen it. That's good. She, she's never seen it. She hasn't seen it. Oh. No. So yeah, we, we just, we, cause I, I had never seen it all the way through either. And we, we watched it like two years ago, last year, a year and a half ago, like right before quarantine happened, whenever that was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know at this point. <laughs> I know. But it holds up, holds up pretty good. Good. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, quite a few years since I watched it, but I would, I would be down to watch that again. All right. My number one, this was kind of tough. It, so it's a moment from the finale and there were a lot of finale moments, uh, even though I had my frustrations with aspects of it, there were a lot of finale moments that I could have picked, but I ultimately went with this one and it's actually a really nice counterpoint or payoff to, uh, my number two choice, uh, that Clark Jonathan scene in the barn, because, uh, my number one pick is the Clark Jonathan, uh, scene in the barn from the finale where, um, Clark is doubting himself. He's on the precipice of his superheroic destiny and he's doubting himself he has to defeat dark side which as depicted on the show is more like the embodiment of evil yet there's also a planet like the planet apocalypse is approaching earth um but dark side's the embodiment of i you know i don't know but anyway <laughs> that was their take on it but he's doubting himself and the skies are red and and you know clark needs to make a move here and jonathan of course has been you know, dead for a while on the show, but he's appeared to Clark now a few times in this final season as a ghostly vision. And they have their final heart to heart in the barn and the music. Now this was not a licensed song. This was just the score of of the composer, but it was so gorgeous. 
and you know the 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 red light from the skies you know coming in uh was was just really gorgeous and the I guess one of the reasons I liked it was we hadn't had those Clark Jonathan moments in so long. And it just like really brought you back to the the earliest points of the show. But, um, you know, Jonathan says to Clark, you know, you're going to have to let, you know, my guidance just isn't enough. You're going to have to let Jorel guide you from here on out. And Clark says, I can't, I, you know, I turn my back on him like I did you. Cause at this point in the show, in the finale in particular, Clark really felt like he needed to just walk away from his past. Like he just needed to totally move forward. And over the course of the finale, he recognizes that it's his past who sh- that shaped him and he comes from two worlds and he's able to reconcile all of that. But at this point, he's still figuring that out. And he's like, I can't go to Jorel. I turn my back on him. And, and Jonathan said, and this is where like the music swells in the little, in the little beat in between. And Jonathan says, he's your father. He'll understand. And uh, like, I, it really gets me for two reasons. One the fact that Jonathan is acknowledging Jorel in that way, you know, is a big shift, right? Because there was always this antagonism and this big divide between the dad who raised him and the biological father that sired him. And so, you know, for Jorel to acknowledge, for Jonathan to acknowledge Jorel in that way, I thought was really powerful. And even just this idea of like, like he's your father, like he'll understand that you needed to pull away for a little bit and you're back now. It's like even 10 years ago before I was even close to being a father, it just, it just really hit me. And it was, it was just such a beautiful sentiment and delivered the way only John Schneider can with the hands on the shoulders. <laughs> yeah. And look at her earnestly, like with his eyes, like with his eyebrows kind of furrowed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean, man. And it just, it was the, the, the little pep talk that Clark needed. And maybe this is a slight cheat, but it's really just a, a continuation of the scene. But, you know, Martha comes in next. And, you know, they have their moment, too, where she's like, you know, we we knew this day was coming for a long time. You know, the world needs you. And, you know, the three of them kind of, even though Jonathan is a ghost and Martha can't see him, but the three of them huddle together and they look, you know, and they look out at the red sky and it's like the the core unit together one last mm-hmm. time. Beautiful. And uh, and I always go back. It's one of my, I mean, it is my, <laughs> number one. <laughs> this is my favorite moment. Uh, but that's definitely one that over the past 10 years, I've watched a lot of times on YouTube. That's awesome, man. That's, uh, that's so cool to hear. And yeah, that, there, that scene is like a, like you said, a perfect embodiment of what made the show work so well. Like, like the, like what, equally as important as the Clark Lana and Clark Lex and Clark Lois relationship as Clark and his parents. And it's to me, for me personally, one of the reasons why the show is so relatable. Cause like I'm super tight with my parents and like, they remind me of my parents so much on the show. So like it, uh, yeah, that, that, that definitely just you're hearing you talking about it is like making me kind of like get emotional and like, Oh, oh it's beautiful. You know? Like, so yeah, great, great moment for sure. Yeah. It, no, I mean, even as I was, <laughs> as I was reciting it, I was, I was feeling it. And uh, yeah, it was just, you know, again, like I said, there was so much to choose from in the finale, so much that was going on. So many of those iconic moments that you were waiting for that you got. And there were a lot of runner ups for me that I, I could have chosen, but um, yeah, that, that just really, for the reasons I said, and, and I also too, really just bringing the whole show full circle. It's like, as far as Clark has come, it's like, he still needed his mom and dad to, to give him some advice. And uh, yeah, such such a great moment. So those are our those are our top 10 Smallville moments. 
Yeah. Oh, I, what were the the moments that you thought I was going to have? Oh, that, uh, well, one yeah. of them, one of them was the race. So you did have that. I, I really, maybe this might, now this might be in the honorable mentions that we're going to do on the other show. I don't know, but, uh, the, the, the justice episode where they blow up Lex's plant and the, the proto justice league is like marching. I really thought that was going to be on there. I, I, okay. So I was actually thinking about it, but like in hindsight, it looks so crappy <laughs> compared to like, like, and they're, and they're all wearing like hoodies and stuff. Like, yeah. like they're, they're all like. They made the green arrow costume and then just like palette swapped everyone with the green arrow costume. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I, like, it was cool when it happened for sure. Like I remember being in college and like watching it and like my roommates, like making fun of me. Like, I can't believe you like this shit. This looks so bad. Like, but like at the time it was cool, but like looking back on it now, like, okay. You know, kind of thing. I like, I felt like the iconic imagery or like the heartfelt moments that we talked about on my list, like definitely like, pulled more to me, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, And and I think it's probably for similar reasons that it didn't make it onto mine. Um, I will say, and it's basically the same thing that we said when we talked about Bart, but it's like, yeah, you look at the Justice episode now and after what we've seen on on the big screen and the small screen, you know, know, the CW DC universe and and the Snyderverse and everything, it's like, yeah, it, you know, it's visually and yeah. in terms of production value, it's it's not the same. But yeah, at the time when those it was cool at the time. Yeah. At the time, I was like, wow, like this was the closest that we thought we would ever get. <laughs> you know, yeah. seeing that. So. Well, I, but I will say, at the time, I do remember thinking like the costume thing was lame, though. That like, mm. like because I thought Green Arrow looked cool on the show. Like I thought he actually looked really good. But the fact that all the other ones basically had green arrows costume, but just in different colors. Like cyborg had a silver hoodie. I'm like, what? Like, and like flash had like a red hoodie. I just, it was, and they all had the sunglasses with the tack, like flashlights and shit. Like, I just remember thinking like, this looks, this is even at the time I was like, it was cool to see them all together. But like, it was like, ah, man, I don't know. It could have could looked way cooler. (laughs) Yeah. It was a choice that they made. uh, Aquaman had a hoodie for some reason. Like, yeah, but Clark, as always, in his blue shirt and red jacket. Yeah, yeah. classic. Did, did you have the action figures from that? Remember DC Direct made those action figures? I have the Clark. I'd never got the others, though. What about you? No, I, I never had any of them. I remember I was debating about when they were in Midtown Comics, seeing them, and I remember like being like, oh, this is pretty cool. But then being like, nah, they didn't like it that much. Did, did, they, did they hang around the store at Alternate Realities a lot? Were those peg warmers or did those sell out pretty quick? No, nah, if, if memory serves, they were there. They were there. They were there, yeah. they were there a while, yeah. I think so. The Clark one probably sold out pretty quick, right? It was probably like Aquaman and like Flash that were hanging around. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, uh, I, I must have picked up the Clark there. Uh, so I, I still have... In its package, in original packaging, uh, the the Clark, and then uh, I have a loose, I have a loose Clark that was uh, gifted to me by um, uh, one of the guys who works at Fat Moose Comics, uh, Justin. He, oh, cool. he gave me a loose, a loose figure, so that was really cool, and that was nice to have. Uh, so now I have Very one, cool. one in package and, and one out of package. So nice. I'll, I'll I always. So do you remember when the whole season came out on DVD and they like Best Buy had the the they made a dc direct figure of like clark with the red jacket with the s on it oh it was only available from the from the last season it was like the the one with the red jacket with the s and it was like only available in that dvd set and i remember like i i had all the seasons separately and the dvd set was like 200 dollars, and i was like 
I want this figure so bad, but not $200 worth. Like, cause it was like way too much money for just like a DC direct figure. You know, you know, I, it's funny. I don't, I don't I'll have to look that up. Cause I don't remember that specifically. Well, I thought you were going to say, and I do have this, the season nine DVD came with the blur, uh, t-shirt, like a gray, oh, really? like a gray t-shirt with the, with the spray paint. Not it wasn't black, but it was like darkish gray, uh, with the spray really? painted ass. I still have it. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, that cool. was cool. Yeah, that was cool. That, that is can, really cool. Honestly though, like you you can get uh I mean I don't know offhand, but like even if it's like Etsy, like someone make I mean I think you could probably you could get um you could get something like that now. Did that come with all of them or just the Best Buy ones? I think that was just the Best Buy. I think that was a Best Buy. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cuz I was going to say cuz I definitely have season 9 on DVD, but I, I didn't have the the t-shirt though. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I did get a t-shirt from was Entourage. That was that came in one of the entourage seasons came with the t-shirt that I had. Yeah. I don't, some, yeah, I I don't did, know what it is now. I did buy all the seasons on, on DVD, but I don't know that I ever got I don't know that I got the version with the shirt. I don't think that I did. I can't I can't remember what season it was. It was like toward the end. It was like toward the end. Like season like the second or second to last season, I think. I don't know. No. Yeah. I know. Sorry, cool. we, we went off the rails, but yeah. It's quite all right. But all that stuff is so cool though. All those like those pack-ins with like the, the DVDs and stuff, those incentives, definitely cool. I know. Well, listen, thank you very much for joining me for this was, I, I was really looking forward to this and, uh, it was kind of a stressful week and I was like, oh, this will be fun to do. And it, this was really a lot of fun though. So thank you. Cool, man. Yeah. I had fun too. I, I, I almost texted you on Wednesday. Cause for me, it's been super stressful too. And I was like, almost like, can we like kick it back? I'm like, nah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll make it up. I'll make it up. This will be fun to talk about. This will be a good thing. So yeah. I'm super glad we did, man. I had a ton of fun. Good, good. I'm glad. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you to our audience. Uh, again, if you want to hear our honorable mentions, uh, we're going to continue our conversation on Digging Deeper. You can access that at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. Uh, of course, we'll be back with an all new episode of Digging for Kryptonite in two weeks. That is actually also going to have Smallville talk. I'm going to have uh, Mike San Gregorio coming back. Uh, he was on the show uh, a little while back. And we are going to be talking about uh, the return of Tom Welling's Clark Kent in the Crisis on Infinite Earths television crossover, which I I was not a fan of, and Mike was. So I think we'll have an interesting conversation, and we're also going to tie that in uh, to a discussion of Alan Moore's Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. So if you if you watched Crisis, you'll know why Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow is an appropriate uh, thematic companion. Uh, I'm calling the episode Whatever Happened to the Clark Kent of Smallville. Uh, and so that's what nice. we'll be talking about. So, so more Smallville talk uh, along with comic book discussion as well to come uh, in two weeks. And until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Greg Schiegel, music by Basic Printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to listen to My Comic Shop History, available on most major podcast platforms. Sign up for exclusive additional content, including the Digging for Kryptonite companion podcast, at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato and watch my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, out now on Apple TV and Amazon.